Welcome everybody to the Clear Tai Chi Mastermind Meeting for Friday, July 15th, 2022. And with us today is me, your resident host, and um, here in Maryville, Tennessee, outside of Knoxville. Um, Matt's got the nipples or whatever it is this week, and so he will he decided he opted not to be <laughs> on the call uh for that reason, at least not here. Yeah, so. Now, probably not on the other either, because I'm thinking it's still too much. But anyways, after he gets over the COVID, uh, then we'll pick it up from there. All right. So with us this week is Jared Blanksmith in Cleveland, Ohio. Yep. Thank you for having me. Uh, I can be found on Facebook at Emerald Valley Tai Chi. Harry Legg in Verona, New Jersey, outside of New York City. Hey there, Sifu. Thank you. Uh, New Jersey Tai Chi is the school. Uh, yeah, Verona is about 15 miles from New York City. Uh, also have Paul Shansky in Fairlawn uh, teaching as well. Thank you. Uh, Phil Chan in Columbus, Georgia. Oh, all. Welcome. Mark Mashad, he's the person being interviewed today. In Michigan, he's going to tell you which part he's in. Hi, yeah, it's the uh, Midwest Michigan area, uh, kind of in between Grand Rapids and Lansing. Welcome. Art Don in the Washington, D.C. area. Hello, everyone. I'm in Greenbelt, Maryland. That is 12 miles east of Washington, D.C. Welcome. So, thank you. Sheila Bell in Costa Rica. Hi, everybody. I am in Guanacaste, which is the northern Pacific region of Costa Rica. And... Balance Ideal Tai Chi has classes in Laveria and also Plaza del Coco. Cool. Welcome. Jim Kelly in Boca Raton, Florida. Down in sunny Boca Raton and also a uh, big presence on the internet. If you look up West Boca Tai Chi on Facebook, you'll cool. see some stuff. Excellent. All right. So uh, for a word from our sponsor, the... Uh, the Clear Tai Chi Level 1 DVDs and our online program, which can be found at clearmartialarts.com. And the, uh, that program is where everybody basically kind of starts when they're uh, going to do the Tai Chi, part of what we do directly. And avail yourself of that material and take a look at it. And the online is like 47 a month. And then the all, and then if you buy the whole program and there's ways to do that, um, then you know you own it, whether it be online or on DVD. And it's uh, it's again how most of the folks here got their start. They may have actually bought something else first, but then when they start to get serious about it, they become studied those programs. The other thing I want to promote for you real quickly is every June each year, first full weekend, we do the Clear Tai Chi gathering. And that's taichigathering.com has the information on that. We already have uh, a full roster of presenters for next year and what most of them are presenting. And the, uh, we've got a couple of guests coming that um, you'll all get a lot out of and, and enjoy. And I've had been able to spend time with them and enjoy, enjoy what I've been able to interact with them on. And so um, it's already looking to be an exciting event that is in June of 2023 from what we're reporting right now uh, that I'm talking about. So taichigathering.com and check, check it out. And it's the place to be in 2023. All right. So uh, our interview person today for our podcast here is Mark Mashad. And I've got, what is your name and your school name? Mark, you'll want to be off mute for the call, I think. Yeah. <clears throat> That'd probably make it easier, wouldn't it? So I'll have to sign it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh, my name is Mark Mashad. The name of my school is Able Tai Chi. And you are located in Midwest Michigan, you say? Sorry. Yeah. Um, my my actual home is in Lake Odessa, Michigan. It's a village about halfway between Grand Rapids and Lansing. Okay. Cool. Um, tell us your school situation, including satellite classes and all of that. And obviously, you had to shut down for COVID. And Michigan 
you know, there were a number of places that were very serious about that. In fact, but most of the country at one point or another, uh, but COVID shutdowns had happened and affected your classes that were ongoing at that point a bit. Um, how are things going now? So, uh, yeah, the COVID shutdowns are pretty, pretty bad here. And there's still uh, some ambiguity, I think, about what the actual requirements are a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Um, when I look at um, other schools' websites, I've been doing some research into what other people are doing. Um, there's quite a variation. Some of them are up to and including having people wear N95 masks. Wow. So it's yeah, like a mandatory. And some of them don't do anything. It just it's quite inconsistent. And uh, But anyways... So, so what I've been doing is I've been using this time uh, to improve my own skills. And then also to, I have two assistant instructors. I've been working on training them up so that they will be able to assist me. I'm going to be starting up uh, advertising for classes uh, now, actually. And uh, a lot of it will probably be uh, like, uh, uh, to begin with, I'll probably do uh, like a direct, direct marketing where I'll start talking to old students from past schools I had yeah. and use that to build up a base because people I'm familiar with and, uh, and that way I can build a, a solid base. Beginnings are very important. Um, it's important to proceed carefully. Uh, one mistake when you're uh, first starting out can affect the whole future of your school, so. Cool, okay. Um, how many years have you been studying Tai Chi? Um, I total, all total, it's been about seven years. I did, uh, two, two years in college, which was a million years ago. (laughs) That was back in 89, 90, 91, right in there. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and then I did two years of Yang Tai Chi, um, right, uh, right about, it was a two years of Yang Tai Chi, about, so there's there's two, I did two years of Yang Tai Chi. Then there's a six month gap and I started taking classes from you and I've been doing that for three years. So it's a total of seven years. I got you. Was the Me Twin, was that um, Cotton Fist? Uh, it was, it's called the Secret Yang style. Yeah, it's Cotton Fist. Uh, and, okay. And I can't remember who the lineage guy, you know, the, the uh, fam- there was a famous guy back in the forties and fifties. But they, did, they did applications and stuff? No. No. Okay. No, no. Yeah. No applications. Uh, matter of fact, I have a story about that. It kind of, it kind of shows the difference between, you know, how you teach and then how they taught, um, that everyone would line up for class and then they would just start doing the, the long form and you'd get two steps in and then get lost. And then you'd have to wait 20 minutes till they got to the end. Oof. And then you'd be holding those two moves and you'd try to add a third move. Okay. And so, you know, how many times can you go through the long form in a class? Twice, three times? Yeah, most. So, so the, lear- the learning curve was real long. And well, arduous. it explains why it's a secret style. Nobody yeah. knows. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, there was, and there was a lot of um, uh, what I would call like uh, – so Tai Chi is like a science. It follows rules and it's re- reproducible. Okay. What they, what they were doing was more like they never really practiced any applications. Uh, it was more like um, they treated it like a religion sort of where, you know, you just kind of all of a sudden will get magical powers at some point. You'll be able to do fantastical things. Uh, yeah. And uh, I had been doing, I did other martial arts at the same time and I was doing judo. And I was talking to one of the guys that was leading the class, and he was talking about how he had a stance that was immovable, that the, the judo would be useless against it. I'm like, cool, can I try? I was just curious, you know. So he got into a bow stance, and uh, and I, I hit a hip throw on him. But I didn't throw him. I just got it, you know, popped him up on my hip. And off the floor. Was, yeah, and he was like, put me down, put me down, put me down, put me down. Like he was, he was petrified because he had no actual fighting experience. Yeah. And so that, that's probably the best example right there of everything was kind of like that, where they just kind of thought they would have magical powers and there was like a worship element in there yeah. for teachers and stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, I understand. Hey, uh, what I was talking about promoting the clear Tai Chi earlier, we have a section now, a whole module that is specifically on fighting applications for the moves, all of the moves in the Tai Chi. So um, if you check that out, that's at clearmartialarts.com. You'll see that that's on there. The, uh, um, yeah, I once had a 10th degree, like a ninth or 10th degree black belt. He was like the head of the system. This is at a karate event, a large karate event. And he was like the top guy. And he knew I was a well-known guy and some other things. And so he basically in the event in front of pretty much everybody was like, try to pick me up. You won't be able to pick me up. And I was looking at, I just looked at him and looked at his energy and where he was at and all that. And I went, if somebody didn't know and they were stupid, they wouldn't know to pick you up. But um, let's not do that. And he was like, no, no, try to pick me up. And I was like, I'm going to be able to pick you up. And he said, no, you're not. You, you see it, you try. And I was like, no, really, you don't want me to do this. He was like, absolutely, I insist. And I went, and I went over and leaned down and grabbed him around the waist area and just stood up and picked him up off the ground and then sat him down. And then he was like, okay, then. And I was like, sorry, I did try not to do this. <laughs> and it's about three of his students were looking at me like, you know, here they come. And I'm like, you guys don't want any of that either. But, um, you know, and just anyways, but people, people sometimes, you know, there's, there's, there's skills and then there's what we call tricks. And you got to watch out for the people that are doing tricks in terms of you don't want to be that guy is what I'm kind of saying. Uh, the problem with tricks is, is that when you get somebody that's just really doing something, tricks don't go, they, they don't work very well. They, they have their little point where you can kind of do a demo or a show with it. And then after that, they lose a lot of ability to help you do much of anything. That doesn't mean somebody with enough tricks and, and good at some tricks couldn't do some things but they're normally going to fail under enough real competition of any kind. And what, I don't mean competition like sport. I'm talking about just, if they're really having to do something, the tricks don't tend to cut it very well. Um, it can if it's more simple and stupid, but if it's just here they come, bam, 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 or I'm gonna pick you up and throw you on the floor and I'm getting in there with everything I got, uh, tricks don't normally accommodate that stuff very well. And so you want skills. So, yeah. All right. Um, elaborate on your background because I know it's extensive. You've been studying since 1984? Yeah. And, and continuously. There really, uh, there was one six-month break in there. But that was just me not doing an organized thing. I was still practicing on my own. Yep. And that was, that was on purpose. Uh, what I had done was I was probably I started in 84 and that would have been probably 90, 1998. Um, I took six months off and just kept training like basic skills, punches and kicks and blocks, mm -hmm. um, doing a lot of conditioning. And the reason why is I wanted the information that I had already been taught. I wanted to get a little bit soft. Yeah in my brain so that then I could look at it differently. Okay. I want to look at it without kind of the programming so I could give an honest evaluation of what I was doing. Yep. Yeah, sure. And test it, pressure test it and stuff. Yep. So, and then I went back to, I took the stuff that was good and continued with that. And then it, I revealed the holes that needed to be, or maybe the inconsistencies in the strategy or tactics that need to be filled in or fixed. Um, but yeah, so I, I practiced since 84 continuously and uh, it's it's all, all elements like grappling, percussion, striking, um, weaponry, um, like that. And then, uh, um, and, and multiple things. So I, what's that? A lot of grappling and judo and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I, I really, I really enjoyed that um, a lot. Uh, it's fun. There's a fun element to that. Um, and I'd probably still be doing it if my neck wasn't messed up. <laughs> if I hadn't, didn't have some health issues, I'd probably still be doing it, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, in a, in a self, you know, in a self-defense perspective on it though, um, the, if you look at the history of judo and jujitsu, these things, 
and, and even if you look at like medieval fight books from Europe, yeah. they, the grappling is very similar. How they throw and hold and lock arms and strangle. And yeah. what you realize if you go through that stuff and you really think about it is you realize that grappling really is for armored combat. There's okay. things that you, you, you can do it. You can get away with it. There's mistakes that are being made because it's made for people who are armored. Okay. So, so when you do the jujitsu, if you do it just like it's taught now, you are vulnerable to getting injured very badly because then they pluck your eyes out or they, they attack your groin or they, you know, you're vulnerable all over really because you're not wearing armor. Yeah. And so when you track the history backwards, if you don't factor that in, you really, if you fight somebody who really is dangerous, you're in trouble. Okay. You're vulnerable all over. So anyway, so, so I, you know, I, I, I put a lot of time into all these elements, uh, kind of trying to find the way, do you know what I mean? The, the, the thing. And, uh, you know, I've done Kempo. My, most of my actual training experience was in Kempo, Tang Sudo, um, as far as the stand up striking stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then I've got um, a smattering of training and other things like uh, like long fist kung fu, uh, shingi and bagua. I have like a, a little bit of a couple years of each mm-hmm. of those. Um, the way it was taught, though, it was so complicated. Um, it would be years before you could actually use that to, to fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of forms work. Um, not a lot of application work. So, mm. um, the, uh, let me see, um, ba-dum, ba-dum. um, sports. What I did for a while is I focused on sports martial arts because I could see that they were having a, a, uh, an advantage over more of the traditional or, um, uh, what do you call it? Like that, that don't compete. Yeah. Yes, that's it. Yeah. So the competitive yeah. element added a thing where you could pressure test safely to figure out, you know, what what works and what doesn't, and get the timing and and uh, reflexes and strategy. You know how to cross the distance to you know pull off your move, how to do combinations or set up set up attacks. But I realized that that was a trap because when you do sports, you can only attack places that are not dangerous so for example you're not allowed to punch people in the throat yeah, yeah. oftentimes you're not allowed to keep them in the groin so yeah. at some point you have to let go of the sports because you're uh you're going to train a weakness in a sense yeah. do you know what i mean yeah. you're so, going to train something that in, a, that in a real street situation you're not thinking about the things that the real nasty street person is going to be thinking about and yeah. really vulnerable because you didn't because you're not geared that way. Yeah, no, I get it. So yeah, that kind of is an overview. That was kind of cool. Kinda, yeah. 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 Okay. Um, you did some gold. You also did some uh, golden gloves boxing and some aikido and hapkido. Yeah. Yep. Um. And uh, also a little bit of Filipino, actually more Filipino than Aikido and the other, but I did like the uh, modern Arnis Mm -hmm. and uh, I did that for a couple of years. Okay. And uh, yeah, the, with some of those, those ones, the ones like the, like the boxing. Yeah. uh, And the Aikido like that. Mm -hmm. What I was doing was I was kind of in a searching mode and I was evaluating things. And so, so the Aikido like to give you an example, when I was doing the Aikido class, the uh, I noticed that they they never they never dealt with kicks. Ooh. And so I asked the teacher, what are you going to do? Because I was taking Taekwondo at the same time. Yeah, sure. And it, and it was old Taekwondo where it's super scary. Yeah, the rock marine version. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and so I knew what that could look like, you know, how bad that could be. So I was like, well, what do you do if someone throws a kick and he said well i would evade until they threw a punch and i go okay so so i just kind of 
I followed it through till till I, I think I went like maybe three months, just enough to get a sense of the, the underlying idea of the key, the mind extension. Sure. <clears throat> and uh, super learned like three, three techniques. <clears throat> and then I left it behind because um, there were there were they weren't involved in half the battle right out of the gates because it was all defensive. Yeah. yeah. So they're not involved in half the battle. And then of, of the other half they're involved in, they're not involved in three or four components of the defense. So, yeah. so it, the really the me, the real thing was getting that mind extension idea. Yeah. And then applying it to everything else with the yeah. Golden Gloves boxing. Um, that I enjoyed, by the way, if I was, you know, if I hadn't already done other things, I might have done that for quite a while. But uh, what I got out of that was I got the um, the the difference in how they train. So a lot of times the martial arts, people will train, um, you know, once or twice a week for an hour. Right. And, and then they think they're good to go to, to defend themselves. Boxers and wrestlers, two hours a day, five days a week. And it's go, 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 rest for 30 seconds. Go, 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 rest for 30 seconds. And so the, the gym I went to, it was where um, the Mayweathers came out of. Like Floyd Mayweather and yeah. his dad and all those. Sure. And, uh, and so it's, in the, it's kind of in the, in the inner city, okay? And so I'm watching, and these guys are hitting this bag. They're hitting the bags like maniacs for, two, for, three, for three minutes straight. And then when the bell to rest kicks on, they're not breathing hard and they're sitting staring at the bag. Okay. Uh -huh. And what it is, is that and, and in that time frame, boxing was their way out. If they could get a contract as a pro boxer, there's yep. a mentality to that. That, that was the, the biggest thing out of that was that was the mentality. And yep. then also um, there's an error. There's a couple errors that martial artists are making with their hand skills. And what it is, is when, when they throw a punch, um, they, they'll, like, if you look from the front here, a lot of martial artists will throw the punch and they let the hand float down as they return it back and they leave that gap open Ooh. and a good boxer follows you in and you, you will eat punches left and right. And so you yeah. have to, you have to keep that gate kind of clogged out and in, keep it yeah. so they can't follow you in. So those two things were invaluable, really those ideas yeah cool i was teaching on boxing skills applied to tai chi last night actually so yep um okay so then you've got a note here about seminars of note ah yeah so um we'll elaborate on what what this is about a little bit Okay, so so the I'll, I'll go over the kickboxing one with Joe Lewis first. Okay. Um, Joe Lewis was the first world kickboxing champion. Yeah, he was also a karate a karate guy back um, in that in that Chuck Norris era in the sixties, the seventies, when they were rough and tumble with the with karate fighting. Oh yeah, he was a big dude and powerful as all get out. Yeah, I met yeah. him. Met him and hang out. We'll hung out with him a couple times. So yeah, yeah. Um, so what was interesting to me is his kickboxing system really was Jeet Kune Do without all the all the trimmings. Yeah. So he focused heavily on the five ways of attack: the simple attack, the attack by combination, the attack by drawing. Which that to me just just that when the attack by drawing was important. Um, and the idea is you're not thinking defense. You're thinking attacking by drawing, like the welcoming posture, where I'm getting them. They think they're attacking me. They made a choice. Yep. I've given them the choice. Choice, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, so that kind of really that trimmed down those five attacks, those five ways, uh, as an excellent model that I apply to everything to scrutinize a new system or to apply it to how I apply a, a system. It's just kind of like a base thing sure. um, to work from. And, uh, and it, was, it, was, it was really quite invaluable that, that those couple of seminars I did with him, um, I got more out of that because it's something you can apply to anything than some of the other styles I did in the past where me, I went for a year or something. Yeah. 
and you're just kind well, of learning that technique. Came, and my guess is you already had a bunch of it. When, so, you know, for some of those styles, you didn't have really any basis of understanding. When you went yeah. to the workshop, you already had a bunch of styles and stuff. So you already had a bunch of moves, kicks and punches and grabs and throws. And yeah. then you were able to pick up what he was teaching a lot better because you already had a bunch of information and knowledge. Yeah. Better. Yeah. Now, the uh, and, and there were other seminars I did. I did several seminars. These are the ones that kind of jumped out that I could remember that where something valuable came to me. <clears throat> the uh, the shoot fighting seminar with Bart Vale was very interesting. He's a monster. He's a huge guy. Oh yeah. Uh, bigger than bigger like, than Joe Lewis. Joe Lewis is a big dude. Way bigger. Way bigger. It's like I'm a Godzilla like... movie. <laughs> like you know okay. what I mean? It's like a monster yeah. movie, you know, where they're climbing the building and fighting each other. It would be like that's yeah. what it looks. Like. He's so big. Okay. <laughs> And, and at the time, he was very powerful. Oh, he had just come out of UFC. And uh, he, uh, what was interesting is he was teaching the shoot fighting. Uh, the grappling for shoot fighting came from a guy named Farmer Burns, who did catch, he was a catch wrestler from the 30s and 40s. Yeah. And so he got paid to go to Japan, I think, and teach them catch wrestling. And that's how the shoot wrestling uses that. Okay. And the catch wrestling, um, there's a little difference in how they do the holds and the, uh, and like these, they have strangles and arm locks and all that stuff. But it's done just a little bit differently because there's no jacket. And uh, like the angle is maybe a little different. The way they torque, there's a little yeah. bit difference in there. Uh, and then also, too, at the time, he didn't call it this, but he, the concept, like in judo and jujitsu, you'll in wrestling you'll you'll go chest to chest and you'll use your body weight to pin keep the person down and control them when you're on top. He was the one that introduced me the idea of like the heavy body, where you yeah. can go heavy and just he basically could just crush all the air out of someone just by relaxing going heavy. He could yeah. just you couldn't breathe, it would just uh, crush the bone. And it took me a couple of years to get that idea, but I could I could do it on the ground use just that to to you know get people to give up without doing a move yeah but it took a couple of years cool. um yeah and then uh and then there was the workshop with you and uh, i don't know how much time we have i'll just go over a couple of things here okay. i actually have a when i have interesting stuff i write it down this is this is the little notebook uh -huh. where i wrote it down in the car after i went to the to workshop with you and uh, that was uh, September 22nd, 23rd, and 2018. You were doing a, uh, uh, like a sampler, you know, kind of intro workshop on push-ins. Okay. Okay, in, in Ann Arbor. And mm -hmm. so these, I'm just going to go over a couple of these things, because this is, this is something I've been doing. Ago. What's that? That was four years ago. So you've been oh, right. Years right. I was thinking four years. Yeah. <laughs> so... The uh, oh, so here's what I wrote down. Okay, uh, during the seminar, uh, Sibu Clear demonstrated the following feats. Uh, number one, he made his arm grow in length at least two inches by lengthening, stretching tendons, creating more space in joints, and do it through whole body. Yeah, uh, number two, could move any part of his body well, on the inside. Um, What's that? That was opening and closing the joints, which in the beginning is only a health practice for a long time. Eventually, you can use it martially as well, but it's a health mm -hmm. practice at first, right? And that's probably how I showed it yeah. was for health. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, could move any part of his body on the inside without moving the outside. It felt like snakes moving under the skin. Uh -huh. um, number three put chi energy into another person's arm without touching them, created a visible change in their arm and hand. The veins stuck out and became pronounced. Hair stood up on end. Skin of the palm became mottled, white and red spots. Mm -hmm. And I could go on and on. There's like, there's like about 12 things that you did during the thing, which was kind of what I was looking for. I had been, uh, I was on kind of a mission. I started at my house. 
I decided I, I was in a moment of time where I was going to see if any of the uh, stories about Tai Chi were real, mm-hmm. basically, to see if it was real or if it was imaginary. And uh, I was going to, I started at my house. I just started spiraling outward. I was just going to keep moving outward until I covered the whole world. So I figured out if it was real or if it just didn't exist, yeah. basically. And, uh, and so I, I only had to go to Ann Arbor. I only had to travel 90 miles or whatever. I thought that was funny. And, and it was uh, within, uh, um, it was actually the first place that I tried. It was just kind of like dumb luck. So, cool. yeah. Well, and you'd had the two other Tai Chi trainings before, so you had some idea of about it too, as opposed to like, okay, it's in other words, it wasn't quite as undefined in your mind. Not that it was entirely defined by a shot, but that it wasn't like brand new either. Um, you know, the idea of Tai Chi itself, I mean, Tai Chi training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when I was in college, um, I went to the library at one point and went through all the resources in the library about martial arts. And uh, from what I read, one of the best martial arts was Tai Chi. Uh, one of the most effective. But then that's not what I saw in the world. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so, yeah. so I was really, I had a sense for what it used to be. And I was wondering if that was still around. Sure. If it was possible to find that. So. And that's why I'm here is because you you were demonstrating those things that I was reading back in 1989 or 90. Ah, cool. So, yeah. Excellent. Uh, what is your teaching experience and journey? By the way, uh, at any point, anybody in here has got any other questions for him, shout it out and we'll go from there. What is your teaching experience journey? Uh, I started teaching in uh, 1996 and have taught con- pretty much continuously since 1996. Um, and so for, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember when, uh, maybe 2008, somewhere in there, 2007, 2008. Um, so I was teaching part-time from 98 to 2000 maybe seven or eight, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And then what I did is I ended up, uh, um, um, I had been working as a social worker. And what I did was I had bought two businesses, uh, a video store and then a dry cleaning business mm-hmm. um, in order to allow me to teach, teach. That's what I really wanted to do was do that. Teach and practice, learn the martial arts. And so so from 2007 until 2000, early 2018, um, I was teaching like a lot and training a lot. So, okay. so like, like I would teach maybe, let's see, I would teach maybe four or five hours a day. And then I would practice or, or train in some sort of way four or five hours a day. And so I did that for like 2007 to 2000 or like probably 2017 I started scaling back because I was having some health issues but okay um we'll be uh, talking about the health issues in a little bit because I know there's some specific things there to that so now you said you you had you had how many uh you had a good number of full contact uh fights as well yeah you know I I was never a big um sportsman um um just that wasn't my interest to be you know going out and getting trophies and things like that well just wasn't my thing it was more of a learning thing like i'd go to i'd go somewhere to test something and Mm -hmm. so for a long time i was doing uh all that was really available was uh because you know this is back in a million years ago uh the only thing that was really available around in michigan was more the uh like the point fighting Mm -hmm. tournament karate point fighting Okay. And so I did some of that through the school, one of the schools I was, I was in going 19, to. In the 1990s? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there, uh, I'll give you a story that will kind of explain why I stopped doing it. And I, I didn't want my students doing it. Um, I, I qualified to go to like a national karate championships. 
And so I went to the championships and, you know, they have you line up, they tell you go, and then you're trying to make a controlled blow. And then the judges, you know, people who will throw flags and they'll, they'll stop you, they'll score it. If you can get majority flags, you get a point. Okay. okay? Um, and you have four, we, you'll have uh, four corner judges and a center judge. So you need three out of five to get your point. I basically, what I did was I copied the move from Enter the Dragon. Oh my. Bruce Lee. Okay. Where he goes back fist, they block the front hand, you trap, yeah. and then you, you, I go, bop, 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 bop. And, and it made an audible pop, right? Yeah. Like where you heard it, you heard it, like a slap on the, on the thing, right? Right. Uh, on his helmet, right? So, so the guy goes back to his side, and I go back to my side, we're standing there because he knows he got hit. I know I hit him. The people in the audience heard it, right? And we're standing there and waiting and waiting and waiting and nothing happens. And so we're looking at each other. We start looking at the judges and they're just looking at us. And the judge goes, nobody called anything. You guys need to be going. And I'm like, what? So I, I, we put our hands up. Both of us were like kind of confused that you mean the other guy, right? So we put our hands up, right? And, and, uh, and we're moving around and attacking. And I did the same move and I got him again. Right. Yeah. And this time the guy paused, but nobody called anything. So he kept going and uh, I ended up, I, I hit him. And what I did was I pinned my hand to his head and I had to hold it there for like two or three seconds and keep his arm pinned. So he couldn't hit me. <laughs> and finally somebody called it and I only got three flags. So all five didn't even call it. Okay. Wow. And then I was annoyed. So what I did was, that's the only move I used through the whole thing. I didn't do anything else. I hit him over and over again. And what I would do is I would just circle to his rear and keep yep. my glove to his Probably. head, right? Mm -hmm. To where people were talking about it up in the audience because it was so ridiculous. Yeah. And it has to, it has to do with um, uh, judges being from the same school as the guy who's fighting. Right. There's, there's really quite a bit of corruption in the whole tournament scene. They're done that. And, so, and then, uh, and then in the uh, final match, they've been there and been a victim of that. <laughs> yeah. Then in the final match, uh, the guy kicked me full power in the groin, just out of the box, bang it, kicked me in the groin, which wasn't a, a zone for that particular. Yeah, wasn't people in that in that tournament. Yeah. yeah. And so then I got two minutes to recover, but, uh, you know, full power kick to the groin, even through a cup, you're, you're, you're weak. Like it weakens yeah. you, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and somebody showed me film and he had done it on purpose. He was grinning as he was sitting waiting because he did it on purpose. Yeah. I saw a video of it, right? And uh, I, he beat me. I couldn't, couldn't catch up at that point. And, uh, but, but the point was the, the rules are inconsistent. They're actually unsafe. Like I've seen tournaments. There's almost every tournament I was at, there was an instance where someone got knocked out and didn't wake up and they had to call an ambulance oh. because, because the other guy got frustrated because the points were getting called and go, okay, I'm going to show you that I got them. Yeah. And it was every other tournament I was seeing something like that. And, and that's, uh, been that one of those too. Yeah. So I, I, I several students where this was continuous fighting, even though it was based, it was the, it was more of a kickboxing kind of a thing. And the, uh, I had two students in there and they went out and were just tearing through them. And one of the guys that was not our guy saw this and decided he would fight that way, but hadn't trained to fight that way. And him and the other guy ended up just going hog wild. And one of them, like spun around blind, plow, clocked the other one in the head, took him off his feet. And that's what you're talking about. The guy was out cold. Yeah. But it, it was just, they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. You know? And, and so, so I got out of those. I couldn't, I couldn't stand them. They were um, dangerous and weren't, you know, it, it wasn't working. So wasn't doing what I needed it to do. So then a few years go by and I have kind of like a midlife crisis. I'm in my thirties. Uh, I would have been like 34 probably. And I get to thinking, you know, cause I'm getting a little older and I'm going, you know, and, and I, I was having some health issues, issues at the time. And I was thinking, well, I wonder if this stuff, I wonder if I'm wasting my time. I wonder if this stuff would really work. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so what I did is I got on the internet and just started looking for the worst mayhem, dangerous crap I could find. <laughs> yep. And then just signing up for it. Okay. And so one of the things I did is I signed up for, um, uh, do you know what lay tie is? Yeah, it's where it's the platform in there. It's yeah. a boxing with throws, but um, at full speed and power and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so you can, pads, you can, you can. You can't, you can't, you can't fight on the ground, but you can do everything else pretty much all the yep. standing. And then you're on a platform so that if you get knocked with a platform, you're probably getting hurt, you know? So high, high danger level. So I, I signed up for that. Okay. And, uh, and so <laughs> I, uh, the first time I went, <laughs> I have to tell the story cause it's so funny. I, I wonder if I have a picture somewhere. So am I correct between the leg tie and the Swajow fights that you did about 35 full contact fights? Uh, let me see. Did I write it down? I had to go look them up because I haven't written down. Uh, da, 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 da. So that would be the Swajow, the leg tie, and then also that would include uh, there was a, a Filipino full contact where you could, you know, punch, yeah, kick, dog up, brothers, dog brothers, right. ground, and then you, you can use sticks, right? Dog brothers. And so, right. Yeah, so I could do, I did, it, it wasn't dog brothers, but it was like that. It was okay. down in Austin, Texas. And so between those things over a three or four year period, uh, there's about 35 of those. Okay. Bouts. Yeah. And uh, so the first time I went to the late tie, I have to tell you a story because it was funny. It was the look on their faces. So, uh. So I, I got, you had to get a physical. Okay. So I get the physical and uh, I get down there to, to, to check in for the, for the event. And I really don't know what's going on. I just know it's full contact. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. on the platform. And so you get there and you have, you turn in your form and then you have to have a nurse, they have a nurse there who's checking your vitals. So if, if there's anything at all, like if your blood pressure is a little high, your pulse is too high, and you mm -hmm. can't get it down, you can't, you're out. They screen you out right there, right? And so I'm sweating a little because I got some kind of like heart breathing issues kind of a little bit. So, and I see, I see young guys going up there because I was one of the oldest ones doing it. Okay. Most of them are in their 20s, 24 to 28 seems to be the, like the, the premium fighting age for that. Sure. And uh, so, so I'm watching, I see young guys getting kicked out because they're so scared yeah. about what's going down. They, they uh, can't get settled down. And so I'm like, Oh crap. So I, I started like closing my eyes and thinking about like um, uh, Michigan beach, you know, waves rushing and seagulls overhead. And I go up there and she measures me and I was, I was the best I've ever been. I was 120 over 80 and uh, 60 beats a minute. And, so, so I go to the table. Oh, first of all, so then you have to sign a waiver and then they have you get on a camera and they film you reading it saying that if you die, your family can't sue. Okay. And so, so I'm like, wow, I'm thinking this is kind of overkill here, you know, like uh -huh. you kind of question in the back of your head, like, have I made a mistake here, you know? And then I just counted it. So then, so I go to the table and they're, they're getting my stuff, right? My paperwork. And they say, well, you know, what team are you with? I said, team? Uh, no. <laughs> and they look at me like, well, who are you with? I said, it's just me. And they go, do you have a coach? I said, no. And they're like, you got to have a coach. I said, what for? And they said, you got to have somebody to throw in the towel if you're getting killed. And I looked at them and I I, I looked at my daughter and she was six at the time. So she was about three feet tall. And, yeah, she, and I said, Oh, I said, she's my corner man. She's got a good arm. And she's standing there. She, <laughs> I, you know, she's grinning from ear to ear. And she's got a stuffed animal. And, and they look at me and they look at my daughter and he goes, Oh my God. Said, I got to find somebody that will, will adopt you. Like he was, he was, he was horrified. Yeah. And so we went and found a team that would let me kind of just go under their banner. Yeah. So, but I had to tell the story because it's just so silly, kind of funny. You know, yeah. the camera getting death waiver. And then my daughter's going to throw the towel for me at six years old. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> they didn't know what this, to say. So is this funny. one of the ones you won or not so much? That that was I I did really well actually. I I got all the way to the final match. Mm-hmm. And uh in the final match, I, I was having trouble breathing. I couldn't catch my breath. And I went through the first round and I, I realized that I was like, Best. you know, I'm getting like the spots in my fit in my oh, eyes, yeah. you know? And so I, I, I gave up because I yeah. didn't want to, I was getting to a point where maybe I would get hurt, you know, if I can't yep. defend myself. So, right. so yeah. I got silver medal with that one Okay. for that. And then, and that's like Friday, Saturday. And then on Sunday, they have the Swai Jiao Championships where I got to do a bunch of uh, grappling, like the throwing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't remember, I got second, I think, that year for that one. Mm-hmm. And then the following year, I got a uh, gold medal for the Swai Jiao, I think. Okay. So I, I pretty much I medaled every time I went. Yeah, I was going to say, you got like four-time national medalist in Swai Jiao and then three times in Lei Thai. And then um, one of them, you were the national Swajow champion. Yeah. 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 Cool. And then, uh, and then another one that was interesting, just because it's like it's like a grand adventure. You have your mo- like your moment of like a quest adventure thing. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, you never feel more alive than when you're up there and you get injured bad. Everything's brighter. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, I uh, I ended up calling. There was uh, there was uh, I found a tournament. It was some kind of local championship where they had they'd had um, qualifiers over part of the the nation. I don't think it was the whole nation, but it was part of the nation. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was for uh, Filipino full contact martial arts with the grappling and all that, and then the yeah. punching and kicking, and then the the stick, right? And so I called the guy who was running it to see, you know, if how I how I could enter, and. Uh, He's like, oh, well, we, we, we had qualifiers and all this, you know, you had to qualify. And I go, oh, really? I said, well, that's a bummer. And I, he said, well, do you, have, have you done anything else? And when I said, oh, I talked about the late tie, I just done it. I talked about the late tie. Yeah. He's like, you know what? He said, we'll put you up. You can come out. Don't worry about qualifying. And that got me into the other tournament. Okay. Just uh, having done that, he knew what it was. Yeah. And that was super cool because you're fighting fight after fight after fight. Everybody fights everyone. There's yes. no, you know, like no, no pyramid. Everybody right. fights everyone, you know? Yeah. And it was in an outdoor bar up on a stage. And there were people watching. It would have reminded you of something out of a movie, like a, like the Norse, Norseman or something, right? And when you did something cool, they'd be like, oh, and like beer glasses would come up, you know? <laughs> so... It was, it was just, it was very fun, you know? I wish I had done it when I was younger, you know? But, uh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, uh, and you got here that you have an extensive library. Yeah, you know. Um, and I've got as well. Yeah. yeah, that you know, that really makes a huge difference. The, uh, like the Warrior Scholar. Yeah. Um, you know, when someone writes a book, it might've taken them a lifetime. You're getting like their lifetime possibly of knowledge by reading and studying it and maybe applying it. And so it kind of is like a shortcut. It's like, it's like, it's like you could get the knowledge of several hundred lives really. Yeah. And then of course, you might you not be, obviously you're not getting everything they got, but you could be getting insights into what their longer journey is yeah. through that, that are ones that they felt were important enough to put in the book. To preserve posterity, yeah. Uh huh. Yep. And so, you know, I've got an extensive, uh, you know, all told right now, and I've I've read thousands of books, but I I've got twelve hundred books in my library on on all facets of things, but uh, about three hundred fifty books on martial arts, and then uh, maybe two hundred and fifty videos, instructional videos. Sure. So. Yeah. Cool. The. What other credentials do you actually have? So I have a, uh, um, I have a third degree black belt in Kempo Mm -hmm. and it's not American Kempo. It's a hybrid style where the guy, it was in that, uh, there was a period in the, like in the eighties, there was still a carryover where people weren't mixing things was kind of a taboo. So karate was karate and judo was judo. And, and, uh, 
you could you could go do more than one thing at a time, but you know, it, you didn't advertise it and people didn't talk about it much. You know, it, it wasn't that, you know, it was a taboo. You couldn't go study other things, oh, but yeah. it, you know, it was kind of that era. Mm-hmm. And so um, in the nineties, you started to see people putting stuff together, trying to create styles. It was a, there's probably millions of styles that were created in the nineties. seems like. Okay. And so the Kempo I did was like a hybrid style that had like uh, a bunch of different components to it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, so I was, I got a third degree black, black belt in that. And then um, the, I have a third degree black belt in, it was, uh, I was actually, I, I was going, going to get certified with a different organization with this Kempo, just get a different, uh, what do you call it? Um, I was just moving to another organization kind of thing. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. When I got there, they didn't test me on my Kempo. They tested me on, it was really Tong Sudo material. Okay. And so I have a third degree in Tong Sudo. Just one of those weird things, you know, yeah. but I actually, I actually passed the test. I knew the material at the time. Yeah, sure. Um, but I wasn't expecting it either. I was expecting the other thing, but, um, and then I have a first degree black belt in, uh, uh, jiu-jitsu it's uh it's a self-defense style jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. but uh what i did was i combined that with the uh judo and jiu-jitsu and wrestling experience uh to kind of create a more of a balanced thing with it so yeah and then of course i've got the uh uh level one base tai chi basic skills instructor and the level one push hands tai chi instructor with you mm-hmm. And then I think I'm level five Fog Lung practitioner. Okay. 